Hey family, I'm so excited for all that God has done in the first nine months of our community. There have been so many amazing stories, so many incredible moments, but listen, as exciting as this is, we know that this is only the beginning. Listen, there's so much vision that God has for the Becoming Church, and as part of that vision, we want to continue to serve our community. We want to expand locally. We want to reach spaces of the world. We want to share the story of Jesus. Listen, we often say that we don't determine the vision, but we do get to determine the pace of the vision. And we do that through our Bricklayers offering, which is an annual offering where we get to give above and beyond our normal giving. And so as a church community, we're coming together on December 11th to see what God will do through each of us. And listen, we are asking that you give, but we are asking you that you ask God what he would have you to do. I know this family, Jesus is building his church and he's building it brick by brick. To find out ways that you can participate, simply go to thebecomingchurch.org. Listen, family, the best is still to come. But good morning, Born Becoming Church. Super duper excited to be here. And I, I, I love this, this, the word becoming. I, I, often in Kentucky, I ask people all the time, what are you becoming? Or who are you becoming? My, my journey didn't start right here, but it started years ago. I was born in a country called Trinidad. Um, big shout out to any West Indians in the, any West Indians out here? Okay, I'm the only one. Sorry. <laughs> so we moved from from Trinidad to to Brooklyn, New York, a small town. You probably have heard of it. Um, moved from Brooklyn um, from Brooklyn to St. Thomas, the Virgin Islands, and then from the Virgin Islands, we moved to Atlanta, Georgia. You know, Georgia where God lives. Come on, somebody. Um, <laughs> Moved there. Okay, okay, we got a shout out there. Um, so, so we moved around a lot when I was younger, and you guys are military community. You're probably thinking my dad was in the military. No, he had warrants. Come on, somebody. So we had to, had to just keep it going. You had to stay away. No, that's not, that's not true. Um, but it felt like it sometimes. <laughs> uh, and... Growing, going through high school, didn't go to church. In fact, my, my family was Muslim, so my name is Marie Abdul Majid Abdullah Mohammed Scipio. Don't nobody leave. Um, uh, <laughs> so it wasn't until uh, it wasn't until I was in college that someone actually confronted me with the gospel of Jesus, like personally. Um, got saved. My wife and I started going to a church in South Georgia. She volunteered for us to serve in kids. She volunteered us to serve in kids. Um, so after serving for a while, I fell in love with it, and I realized this is what God had called me to do. Served in children and youth ministry for a while, um, and then one day God put on our hearts to plant a church. And I, what, what I'm going to say, I'm saying all this to say that I'm just an ordinary dude who said yes to Jesus. And just by being, believing that he's going to do what he said he's going to do, led us to Kentucky, um, where nobody looks like me. Come on, somebody. <laughs> College Park, the Kentucky don't add up. Um, we pastor a church that's 85% white. Yeah, and not even city white, like country white. Come on, somebody. <laughs> For real. There's, there's Sundays where there's a bull out in the, in the, in the park. They just pulled up. Hey, like, bull's back here. He's going to come to church. But it's the faithfulness of God that I lean to. 
And, and when I think about this, my question goes back to who are you becoming? And I, I see in my journey going from tough days, rough days to today. And I don't know where you are. I don't know what part of the journey you're on. But God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And my hope and my desire is that which, what the, what's already been shared, the Holy Spirit has begun this work in your heart for you to know more and know him more. Today, I just wanted to, to, to go back to something that's been played on my heart, as, and we've been talking about at my church, in, our church in, in Kentucky, about the original purpose that God had for us. And it, and it starts off in, the, in, in Genesis. Let me turn this thing on. It starts off in, in Genesis in the Garden of Eden. And, and, and we find God now preparing a place to place man. This, it's a very, very interesting that God creates this thing. He, he create, before he places us somewhere, he creates a place for us, which is also perfect because I think about all those who serve on the, on the team here. Man, you got up at 6 o'clock in the morning preparing a place so people can encounter God. And God, he is the first person to even introduce this concept. And in Genesis, we find God working for six days just to place man there. We have a saying at our church, our, our mission statement is we create environments where all people can encounter God. Our, our hope is not that people come in here on Sunday mornings and hear God explained, but they actually encounter a God who loves them and, and has a plan and a purpose for our lives. And, and where we got this whole mission statement from was I was, I was serving in youth, um, and one day worship service was going on. It was kind of cold in there, and I don't like the cold. Come on. My, my house is 78 degrees. Come on, Jesus. Yeah. It's like Hawaii year-round. Yeah, yeah. I don't like the cold. So, so I'm going into the youth room. Before I got into the room, I saw, I saw a, a, a thermostat. And I adjusted the temperature on the thermostat. As, as I'm doing something simple like that, God spoke to my heart. He said, Marie, your job is to create an environment where these kids can grow. And where that all came from was God created a place for us to grow. In fact, I, I word it this way. It says God created an environment for us to thrive in his presence. And in the beginning, God, God created us. And not only did he create us, he also gave us a list of we're giving a purpose with responsibilities. And every single one of us, man, we're giving this amazing calling, but your calling comes with the purpose, and that's what we want to talk about today. I, I believe that you were created to create environments where all people can encounter God. And the reason I wanted, I wanted to restate that or reshare that is what, what can happen sometimes is, is we can begin in the startup mode of a church. We all get, we, we get excited. We, we, we set church up. We set up chairs. We get the coffee right. We want to we greet people at the door. And we think, we think, and I know this is not said here, but we think our Christianity starts and stops on a Sunday morning. And I, I just wanted to take some time this morning to remind us that outside of this time, as, as a, if you're already on the team, if not, stop, pause, pathways. <laughs> right after church. Come on, yeah, that's right, that's right. And, and just like as Pastor Mike said, you may have been coming here for a while, but listen, you have a big purpose in joining the team. Like we, Listen, it was so cool because they're adding chairs in the back, which means... Some of you are going to have to give up your chair. <laughs> because there ain't enough chairs. <laughs> and we need some of you guys to say, I'm going to give up my Sunday morning 
And I'm going to say, yeah, I hear that thing. We're going to serve once a month because we need your chair. I'm, I'm, he got me nice about it, but I'm, I'm going to be mean. I need your chair. I'm going to need that seat. Come on, somebody. And, and, and what I'm saying is I'm, I'm inviting you back to this original purpose. I mean, you, you were created to create environments where all people can encounter God and not just on Sundays, but throughout the week. I was reminded of a, of, a, of a story of a guy who goes to our church. Um, he was, in fact, he was a, a very high-ranking official at one of the factories there in town. Um, he retires and gets a job as a janitor at a local school, which is fascinating to me. He went from being the person in position to be served to now being the person in the school who actually does the serving. It's a fascinating story. Um, and he invited me one time because he was speaking to the whole staff at the school. He says, hey, Pastor Marie, I want you to come hear me speak. So I said, okay, I'm coming I get there, and I find out every single person is in love with this janitor. They, they said that when he walks into the room, that, man, he changes the atmosphere, that, that people love him being around. He's encouraging. He's challenging. They love him. And what I realized was he created an environment where people can encounter God. I go back to my grandmother. She passed away in, in 2020. One and just looking back at her story, she she lived in Brooklyn, New York, and Brooklyn, New York is it's it's a concrete jungle. We had twelve trees in our block. Come on, somebody. every other house had a tree that's in front of it. And my grandmother had a, a a green thumb. She would go out and she would garden and she would she would grow tomatoes and cucumbers. So in the middle of Brooklyn, in this concrete jungle, my grandmother was cultivating a little patch on her block. And what I believe that God has called you to cultivate the little small pockets of your life. It's, it's, it's your job. It's, it's your work. That we were created to create environments where all people can encounter God. In Matthew's gospel, chapter 4, verses 17, it's Jesus speaking. He says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, change your inner self your old way of thinking, regret past sins, live your life in a way that proves, it proves your repentance. He goes on and says, seek God's purpose for your life, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. As a church, we decided to put some words around what the kingdom of heaven even means. So for us, the kingdom of God is a place where God rules and he reigns. And what happens is people think, act, and respond to people and circumstances the way God's, God's way of thinking, acting, and responding. So we're saying that, man, how I respond, how I think, how I act, man, if, if I think this way, I'm, I'm now allowing this kingdom of God to be where I am. And, and if it's contrary to that, we define that as sin. So sin is thinking, acting, and responding to people and circumstances contrary to God's way of thinking, acting, and responding. And God is saying he wants you to create a place where his kingdom reigns. So that means on Monday morning, when you've got a bad attitude, and your coworkers say something that can set you off, how you create that environment is by thinking, acting, and responding in the way that God wants you to. That's it. Matthew's gospel also records Jesus' very first message, and it's called Beatitudes, or, or be of this attitude. I'm just going to read it in the Amplified, and it, it goes this way. It says, 
When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and when he was set, seated, his disciples came to him. They began to, then he began to teach them, saying, Blessed, spiritually prosperous, happy to be admired are the poor in spirit, those devoid of spiritual arrogance, which, which we all can be in danger of. You, be, you get saved too long. Come on, somebody. You forget what it was to be not saved. I, 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 was, I was eating dinner in the restaurant one day, and there were some people at a table just, just they, were, they were cursing, dropping some F-bombs, some S-bombs, you know. And the person at, the, at, at my table was like, <laughs> do they got to talk that way? And I'm thinking, you used to talk that way. Come on, son. <laughs> And, and, and the danger in being saved too long is that you forget. And Jesus is saying this ahead of time. He says, poor are the spirit, those devoid of spiritual arrogance, those who regard themselves as insignificant. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven, both now and forever. He continues, he says, blessed, forgiven, Refreshed by God's grace are those who mourn over their sins and repent. He says, for they will be comforted when the burden of sin is lifted. Blessed, inwardly peaceful, spiritually secure, worthy of respect are the gentle, the kind-hearted, the sweet-spirited, the self-controlled, for they will inherit the earth. The sweet-spirited, self-control. And we live in a time where those two things don't always add up. That we're quick to respond, quick to retweet, quick to share some things that are contrary to God's way of thinking, acting, responding. He says, blessed, joyful, nourished by God's goodness are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who actively seek right standing with God, for they will be completely satisfied. He says, blessed, content, sheltered by God's promises are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed, anticipating God's presence, spiritually mature are the pure in heart, those with integrity, moral courage, and godly character, for they will see God. Blessed, spiritually calm, with life, joy, in God's favor are the makers. Listen, the makers and the maintainers of peace. For they will express his character and be called the sons of God. So our, our church, our vision statement says that we want to create environments where all people can encounter God. And the problem with that statement is the all. Uh, if, it would have been a lot easier to say we want to create environments where people who think like us. We, we, we want to create environments where people who look like us. But when we said all, oh, it, it made it very difficult. And what happens in my community, especially from the, the 2020 to the 2022, um, we, have, we have 
we have Republicans, we have Democrats, and we have all these different people. And what happens sometimes is that we can get so, up, so caught up in our political horses that we forget that blessed are the makers, the makers, which means you go first, and the maintainers of peace. And sometimes we sacrifice our platform just to push a political agenda. Blessed, comforted by inner peace and God's love are those who are persecuted for their doing what is morally right. For theirs is the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, both now and forever. Jesus opens up his very first sermon talking about who's blessed, and he's always talking about attitudes. My, my hope this morning is, is that some of you check your attitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, 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 you. You know, a lot, a lot of times we hear, we hear stuff from somebody else. Come on now. We, we got an anointing to hear messages. For, I wish, no, nah, you need to be here. That's, that's who you need to be here. You. And I need your seat. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Just throw that in there. Need your seat. Hey, three things. First thing is this. Location matters. Location matters. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, its purpose, how can it be made salty? He goes on and says, it is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and walked on by people. When the walkways are wet and slippery, he says, you are the light of Christ to the world. A city set on the hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the life stand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Interesting that the light that we give should give, life, should give light to everyone. That our light isn't just about us. Like, like even if you don't agree with us, our, our lifestyle should be light to everyone that we see. It continues and it says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds and your moral excellence and recognize and honor and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You see, God has given you that household. He's given you that job for a reason. Because your location matters. I remember before we, 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 um, we planted or decided to plant a church, I was, first of all, Mike, I was just, I'll tell you this, that I was completely against planting a church. Um, my wife, who the Lord gave me, come on, somebody, um, <laughs> had this desire to plant a church. I was like, no. So when we talked about it, I was like, hey, okay, let's talk about this. So we wrote down some locations that we felt like, you know, you ever, you ever gave God a, a multiple choice? Come on, some. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody ever give God multiple choice? <laughs> and he, he going to do E? <laughs> like, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. No, that wasn't even, God, this is my prayer now. This is, you, you can do one of these three things, you know. Um, don't be thinking you spike for yourself. Come on. It, it's funny because we ask Jesus to bless our plans instead of figuring out what Jesus' plans for our lives are, right? And, and, and for us, when we were talking about location, I was like, listen, I got a great location. It's called Florida. It's warm. I don't need a sweatshirt. This, Lord, this is, this is it. I, feel, I sense something. I feel the Holy Ghost. Shata. Come on now. This is Florida. And in this parable, when, when Jesus is talking, he says 
that the sower scatters the seed. And it's God who decides where we should go. Your location matters. Listen, your job matters. Your location matters. Next thing is time matters. I'm on my second set of 20. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Finish that first set easy. You know, I'm, I'm on the second set now. Um, <laughs> and what I'm realizing is, is, is time matters. One great example of this is, is my mom. She was a nurse for most of her career, and, and in her 50s, she decided to do something new. And I think what can happen for us is when you get in your second set of whatever, come on, somebody, that, that you think you can't start over. I just want to stop and speak directly to you. That as long as you still have breath, you still have time. Come on, somebody. And whatever, yeah. Whatever dream God has laid on your heart, especially the dream of going the pathways after service, right? Come on, somebody. <laughs> you can do it. And, and, your, and your time is running short. Time ran short. In Alabama last night. Come on. That was for Corey. That was for Corey. He gave me $50 to say that. <laughs> he told me to say that. <laughs> Time matters. It matters. Scripture says it this way. It says, God's kingdom is like 10 young virgins who took oil lamps and went out to greet the bridegroom. He says five were silly and five were smart. The silly virgins took lamps, but no extra oil. The smart virgins took jars of oil to feed their lamps. The bridegroom didn't show up when they expected him to, and they all fell asleep. He goes on and says, in the middle of the night, someone yelled out, he's here. The bridegroom's here. Go out and greet him. The ten virgins got up and got their lamps ready. The silly virgins said to the smart ones, our lamps are going out. Lend us some of your oil. They answered, there might not be enough to go around. Go buy your own. They did. But while they were out buying the oil, the bridegroom arrived. When everyone who was there to greet him had gone into the wedding feast, the door was locked. I just want to stop and say that our life is but a vapor. And time matters. I remember when I was a younger person before I started my first set of 20s in my teenagers, and I would hear the scripture that, and it would talk about um, um, that, that, now I can't remember. <laughs> Kids in your, no, help me, baby. Come on, focus, focus, focus. <laughs> Be with me. Um, um, you say it to young people, it's, all the time about the, their future. Uh, what? What would you say? No, no, no. That's a good one. But I need the scripture though, bro. I'm talking about scripture. <laughs> He's just throwing out some random quote that people say. <laughs> but, but the scripture was talking about you, you having a future and, and God having a plan for your life. Yes! This half is saved, Mike. I just want to say. This half, we need to have a talk with this one. <laughs> oh, 
He over here talking about, God don't help those who don't help themselves. He's just throwing out stuff that ain't even in the Bible. God don't like ugly. You know, just throwing out. Uh, where's that? He created ugly, I guess. <laughs> but our time matters. And what happens sometimes, we talk about the scripture and we, and we tell young people the scripture and, it, and it's like, you know, God's going to use you in your future. No, 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 no. God can use you now. He can use you now. One of the motivations behind me even becoming a youth pastor is I remember I'll, I'll tell people all the time, no one loved me enough when I was in high school to invite me to church. Your time matters. It's meaningful. God can use you right now in the cafeteria to, to be a light and, be, and to be a difference to your, your, your peers, your friends. Time matters. I'm just going to skip a couple of these. The last one. It says, after a long absence, the master of the three servants came back and settled up with them. This, this word, after a long absence, can also mean after a lifetime. He says, the one given five talents, $5,000, showed him how he had doubled his investment. His master commended him. Good work. You did, you did your job well. From now on, be my partner. The servant with the 2000 showed him how he had doubled his master's investments. Your master commended him, good work, you did your job well. From now on, be my partner. It says, the servant given 1,000 said, Master, I know you have high standards and hate careless ways. If you demanded the best and made no allowances for error, I was afraid I might disappoint you. So I found a good hiding place and secured your money. Here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. This person who time matters, who at the end of his lifetime, what happened to him because of fear, he hid his gift. And there are people in this room that God has gifted you, God has called you, but because of fear, you do nothing. Before I came up on, on this platform, my son looks over to me and he says, Dad, are you nervous? I said, Yes. It's part of life. Amen. Because I'm afraid or because that's not going to stop me from doing what God has called me to do. Man, I'm going to experience emotions that are going to try to stop me all the time. It's a part of life. Courage is like an umbrella. You need it when it's raining. Come on, somebody. And when fear is present, man, that, the, the courage that God gives us, man, it showers. It keeps us protected from, from the rain of fear. I'm going to stop and tell you, hey, time matters. The last thing is, is people matter. You know, the, the crazy part about being created in God's image is that we forget that God created everybody else in God's image. And, 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 and the prized possession of God, we can treat like they don't even matter. People matter. Luke chapter 15, one of my favorite Passages of scripture that even jump into just reads like this. It says, by this time, a lot of men and women of questionable reputation were hanging around Jesus, listening intently. I just want to stop and kind of pause. What, what was it about Jesus 
that people of questionable reputation would even hang around him. I, I, I love one translation says notorious. Come on, somebody. And in my mind, I hear, no, no, notorious I am. I was like, Biggie's hanging around Jesus right now. What? Like, what, what, what type of person has he, does he have to be for, for, for questionable people to hang around him? That he was loving and challenging. And some of us, our family can't even stand to be around us. Shots. The Pharisees and the religion scholars were not pleased, not at all pleased. They growled. He takes in sinners and eats meals with them. Treated them like old friends. Their grumbling triggered this story. I, I love to look at it like he, he told one story, but he told, told three parts of it. He says, suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and lost one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you find it? To which everyone would say yes. You ever lost a kid? Okay, one person raised his hand. (laughs) You see him? Yeah. And you say, oh, two out of three ain't bad. (laughs) I can't imagine. Hey, baby, I, I lost Kai. She's like, what about Zoe and Nia? Like, they're here. Okay, that's good. You're good. You're good. You're good. And it just makes sense. He says, when found, you can be sure you would put it in the, across your shoulders rejoicing. And when you got home, you would call your friends and neighbors saying, celebrate with me. I found my lost sheep. Count on it. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner rescued than 99 Good people in need of no rescue. Or imagine a woman who has lost 10 coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and scour the house looking in every nook and cranny until she finds it? I want to compare and contrast these two stories that we find the sheep lost outside of the house. And we find the coin lost in the house. And when we started our church, we said, man, we're going to go after people who are lost outside. And we're going to go after those who've been lost inside. What I mean by lost inside, it means you've been coming. You've been listening. But you're valuable. And my hope, my, our desire as pastors is to put you in a position where God can use you. Like, like, listen, listen, listen. I know you've been coming to the Becoming Church for a couple of months. You've been here for nine months, eight months, whatever. But look, look, you've been lost in the house. And through things like Pathway, which happens 15 minutes after (laughs) service, we're finding the lost coins. You've been living your Christianity apart from a team. And this is the opportunity to join a team. And when she finds it, you can be sure she'll call her friends and her neighbors Celebrate with me. I found my lost coin. He says, count on it. That's, part of the, that's the kind of party God's angels throw every time one lost coin turns to God. It's joy. Listen, listen, don't, don't miss this. You 
We're created to create environments where all people can encounter God. And it doesn't start or stop on Sunday. But it began 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross. And the amazing part about God living on the outside of eternity is that, man, he, he's doing something with your past. He's doing something in your present. And he's doing something in your future. That my hope and my desire that someone listening in this room has been awakening to God's purpose for their life right now. I want to pray for two groups of people. The first one is kind of what Michael hit on the first time when he was up here sharing with communion. And, and, and just a little bit of my story, uh, my mom would invite me to church, and church was cool. Um, I went to a, a predominantly African-American church, very traditional, and, and worship was like Zumba. Come on, Zumba. We were swaying, sweating. It's a good time. And I can handle that. And the pastor would get up there and preach, and then at the end of service, he would say, if you were to die tonight, you didn't know Jesus. And every time he would say that, man, something on the inside of me was just going crazy. And I ran. I ran for my life. Come on, somebody. That was good. And I ran. And on this side of it, I understand what's happening. That when the message of the cross is presented, what the Holy Spirit does is it begins to draw you. And, and you've been here. You've been coming. And I believe this is for somebody today. You, you've been coming. And every time you sense that, the Holy Spirit doing this work, you couldn't understand it, you would try and shut it down. And what would happen if you would say, you know what, God, I sense something, and I believe that's your Holy Spirit drawing me. And if you would stop and say, God, I surrender to you, how your life would change. Your future would change. 